Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. Exciting was about our boys not being able to go, but that was super, super exciting, and it's actually really funny because uh, it ties into our message today about uh, are we grown? And it, well, I was gonna say, like, are we adults? But then I remembered one of the sounds, I'm like, that's just a like, they're acting like they grown, like, you know, so like, well, we're just gonna stick with the vocabulary here, you know, the vernacular. We're just gonna say, are you grown? So, uh First of all, I just wanted to take a moment and, you know, center ourselves. And I just wanted to say that you're here for a reason and that God didn't bring you here right now in this spot for no reason. Like, he has a purpose for that. Everyone in this room is here because God has sent you here and he has such a big, big purpose for your life. And it's no mistake that you're here and God loves you. Yeah. And he wants to use you for that. And uh, I think it's funny how God matures us in different seasons of our walk and how he brings us places and allows us to go through things to bring us to the place that we're at where he can best use us. And uh, I think, I, I just think it's so funny, like when you look back and reflect, uh, when I reflect on my multiple years of experience, you know, just my vast wealth. Just kidding, I'm not that old. Calling me enough. It's okay. <laughs> but it blows me away because the older I get, the more I see how God has had his hand on situations and how he's brought me through different things in order to help other people. And sometimes we don't realize in the moment that what God is doing is to bring us to a point where we can pour into somebody else, where we can help, and we can lift somebody up when they're down. And, uh, and it's so funny to me because working with the youth and stuff, sometimes we have people come and they, you know, have troubles, they have issues, and the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like praying, I'm like, God, just give me the right words to smell them, to speak over them, to like really bring them up. And then by the end of it, I'm thinking, wow, that was actually a situation so similar to what I went through when I was younger, and this is what I needed to hear at that moment, and how God uses all those experiences to accumulate in your life to that one point where you can actually pour into somebody else. And it, then it, you look back and like, wow, God spoke for me, and it's just a beautiful thing to see, like, when you're willing and available for God to use you, and you step out. And another lesson God has taught me through the years is that just because somebody else looks mature on the outside doesn't always mean that they're spiritually mature on the inside. And sometimes we have people that, you know, they may go to church all the time. They may, you know, say, oh, I'm involved in this, that, and the other. But then at the core root of it, they are so unwilling to do what God wants them to do because they're so scared to step out in that. And sometimes they can be pillars in our community. You think, wow, they're a really great, upstanding citizen, really great at their job. They go to church, you know, they seem to, you know, be involved in all of these things. But on the inside, 
they're dead and dying, and they're withering just like the Bible talks about the branches that have to be pruned and cut off because on the inside they're too scared to let God get in there and move and work. And the reality is they're stuck at being toddlers in the faith. And they think that because they're toddling around in the faith that it's okay. When God wants to take us to where we can mature, to where we can grow, he wants to give us all of these steak dinners. But how can we get to where we eat, we're eating steak dinners when all we want is milk? You know, the other night, like when we went out to Outback, David didn't get milk. David didn't get just french fries and chicken fingers, which is what he got when he was little. But no, they came around, they said, what do you want? He said, I want the T-Bone, the porterhouse. That's the one I want. And they said, how do you want? He said, medium. You know, only a grown man eats a medium porterhouse. So, like, speaking about the faith, like, what are you eating right now? Are you drinking milk? Are you just eating the chicken fingers and french fries? Or have you elevated to the porterhouse <coughs> medium? So, let's take a look at the uh, first scripture we have here. And that's going to be from 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put on the put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully now. And what the writer is trying to tell us right here is that when I was a child, I was eating the chicken fingers, I was eating the french fries, I was drinking the milk, and I was toddling around. And But now that I'm a grown adult in the faith, I'm putting that behind me. I'm starting to see things how they are. I'm not seeing things the way I saw them as a child. I am seeing them as an adult. And what God wants us to do is to grow up and to step into them. And it kills me, and I think it's so funny. You know, we don't have kids of our own, but we have nieces and nephews that we love very, very much. And the oldest one, Levi, now has a little sister and now has a little cousin, Emmett. So Emmett right now, we're trying to get him to say words. You know, I'm convinced that one of his first words is going to be brie brie, but, you know, we're working on that. So every time I'll sit in front of him, and I'm like, a brie brie? <gasps> a brie brie? And then, you know, Levi might come along and be like, yo, and Brie Brie. And he's like, Brie 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 Brie. And I'm like, that's cute and that's cool. But what he's trying to do is impress me with him understanding and being able to do what Levi uh, Emmett at this point cannot do. And how many of us find us in that place where we're, we are running around and we're like, God, Look at what I can do. I just went to church for five weeks in a row. Isn't that great? And God's like, yeah, that's nice. And how many of us were like, God, look, I sent my kids to church to learn about you. And God's like, yeah, that's nice. But how about you come to church too? And how many of us are like, God, look, I'm listening to praise and worship music every single day. And he's like, yeah, that's nice. But what are you doing for me now? I've called you to so much more than just that. That was good when you were toddling around. And that's great when you're starting out in the faith and you're growing. But what are you doing for me now? Because I've called you to so much more, but are you listening? Wow. Are you going to step into that? Yeah. 
And, you know, it, it's like crazy. And God is looking and saying, you know, I hear you. And he's saying to us, you know, um, how about just asking for people to pray for you all the time? And how about you start investing in others' lives and start becoming an active member in the body of Christ at what he's called us to do? So let me ask you, are you grown? Or where do you find yourself in the faith? So before we get too deep, let's take a moment and let's pray and we'll think about this. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing us all here together, God. I pray that you will speak through me only the words that you have, God. I pray that you will touch whoever is here. I pray that you will help somebody wake up and realize that they have so much more potential and that what's holding them back is only the enemy and that they can have such a beautiful and blessed and fulfilled life. Holy Spirit, come down right now. I pray that you'll just bring new life into this church. I pray that you'll bring new life into our community. And I pray that you will bless each and every one of us. And I pray that we'll wake up and realize what you have for us. And bless your holy word this morning, Lord, in your holy name. Amen. So, are you just acting like you're grown? Or do you want to take on the responsibility of an adult? Because the problem is that so many of us, we want to come to church, we want the benefits, we want the church to do all these things for us. We want to be a part of the cookouts. We want to be a part of boys' rendezvous and have fun. We want to be able to, it, to partake, but we don't ha want to have that responsibility of actually stepping up and doing what God has called us to. And so many of us are sitting here and God is calling you to maybe the children's ministry. And maybe God is calling you to help out in the sound booth sometimes. And God is calling you to maybe step up and do things. Maybe even just to go mow the lawn, but you're so scared and you're so comfortable. And you're like, maybe not. Maybe that's too scary. Maybe I'm just happy toddling around and saying, God, look, I actually made it to church today, which is great. Hallelujah for that. But it's time to grow up and take responsibility for the personal, your personal walk with Christ. Because nobody else can step up for you. Yeah. Only you can step up and take that responsibility. Yeah. And so many of us would rather be the big fish in a small pond instead of going to another place where God wants to take you and to mature you and for you to become. But you're too insecure to be in a space where people are better than you. And you can never grow past where you are now. And you just want to stay in that small pond, that small space, where you can be the biggest, and you can be the best, and you can be the most knowledgeable. And you want to focus on like the little things of the faith. Because it's comfortable there. Because you don't have to swim around too much. Because all the other fish are tiny compared to you. Because as long as you are the biggest fish, no one can tell you what to do. And no one can help you because you're the biggest and the best. But that's such a scary place to be. Because now you're focused on such the small things that now your opinions of the Bible and your opinions that you have, you're preaching as the word, you're posting it as the word, you're posting it on Facebook. And the problem is that because these fish are so small and they're toddling around, they believe that. And now all of a sudden it's not God's word, but it's your opinions that they think is the Bible. 
And that's where heresy comes into play. And that's why there's so many cults out there. Because people want to use their opinions as the word of God. And God cannot use that because he's saying, now you're trying to take my place. Now instead of relying on me, you're relying on yourself and what you think is the best. And how many of us find ourselves in that situation where we just want to be able to go through and we want people to hear us and we want people to respect us. So we find ourselves in small places, but instead of stepping out and going to the big pond where God can actually use you and grow you and take you to where he wants you to be, and because he's calling you to do something that's so scary, there are people out there that are so scared to even go and pray with somebody. But what if God's calling you to that? What if God is calling you to step out and go mow the lawn? But you don't want to because it's not comfortable. So this morning, I want to go through three different levels of how we can mature in the faith and how God can take us from toddling around the church to actually being the hands and feet of Christ and maturing and growing. And first of all, let me say, no matter where you're at this morning, it's okay. And it's okay to be where you're at. But the first step is recognizing where you're at and understanding that, yes, I am now toddling around. But what steps do I need to take so that I can start walking and so that I can start running and so that I can start being used by God the way he wants to use me instead of just leaning back and let others doing it for us. So the first one, and it's so funny because people are going to get a little, like, uncomfortable and offended, but the first one level is the tithe. And you might be thinking, okay, what does that have to do with my money, though? Like, we're talking about, like, being in church and being God's hands and feet. What does the tithe have to do with anything? The tithe is the first place that some of you need to step into because you may be thinking, you know, well, God just wants to rob me of my money. The church just wants to come for me. And so many of you right now hearing this, you're thinking, oh, no. Here we go again. Trying to get my money. You know, trying to sell things. You know, if you want my sweat right here, you can get it and be blessed for $10. I'll sell it. But, no, that's not the reality of it. The reality is, you know, God right now doesn't need our money. And it is so funny because so many of us are sitting here thinking God just needs it. But I don't see God up in heaven paving the streets of gold and building all these beautiful mansions and saying, oh, say, Jalen, I just ran out of money. I just ran out of gold. What are we going to do? Maybe. You know what we'll do? I have a plan. Okay. So we'll go down to all the churches and we'll ask for money. And when they give us that money, then we'll take it and go paint the streets farther. But I don't think that's how it works. Exactly. Because God in his infinite wisdom, infinite power, he has created everything. He's created the heavens, the earth, everything that we do, what we eat, we breathe. He's created it all, so he doesn't need our money. But let's take a look real quick at Malachi 3, 18 through 12. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you rob how are we robbing you? 
in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me. And this is interesting because God nowhere else has test me. Nowhere else are we supposed to test God and push him and say, oh, well, we'll see. No, but in this matter, in the tithe, he says, test me. And it says, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevail, prevent pests from devouring your crops, and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You know, and it's so funny to me because God is not asking us to tithe because he needs our money. He's asking us to tithe because he wants to bless us. And if you think about that, it's like, Okay, so to tithe, so if I tithe, then I get blessed. Well, it doesn't exactly work like that, because if it worked like that, I mean, we could all just go to Las Vegas right now, put some money in the slot machines and get a return. But what God is saying is this is a baseline, and this is what I've given you. Because everything we have isn't ours. Everything we have is of God. And when he's asking for 10% back, that is just us giving something back. If I were to go away, and if I were to say, hey, John, Boyd, and Colin, I'm going to be gone for a while on a work trip, but David's at the house, and I'm going to give you guys money each month to make sure that his needs are met and to make sure that he can sustain a living. I'm going to give you a thousand, I'm going to give you a thousand, I'm going to give you a thousand, and that should be enough. And you're like, man, this is plenty. But the catch is, all you have to do is give him a hundred of it. Just each of you give him a hundred of it. Now, he may be only eating ramen noodles, but that's fine. He loves ramen noodles. So (laughs) if I'm gone and every month I'm giving you a thousand dollars and you're just to give him a hundred of it, what would you do? Colin may be like, all right, gee, I got you. Here's your 100. Like, it's been really okay. Good to go. And John's like, oh, man, I know he's like really struggling. I, I want him to be blessed. I want him to have more than just ramen noodles. I want him to be able to go to that porterhouse at least once every so often. So John says, okay, cool. I'm going to give you like 200. And then Boyd over there, he's like, ah, you know, like, the other turned up in care of him. He's cool with me. All right, I'll give you a hundred, David. There you go. The next month, he's like, ah, does he really need the whole hundred, though? Does he really? Maybe he only needs 80 of it. You know, David, I'm actually going to use the other 20 to do something to benefit you. Maybe not why. Okay, cool. But then the next month, Colin stay faithful. He's giving his hundred. John is like, yeah, you know, I just can't, can't stand to see him struggle. So there's the two hundred. And then boy's like, Ooh, do we even really need to give him a hundred anymore? But in that reality, it's so funny because it's not even their money. 
They're just being given $1,000 every month, and they get to keep the rest. They get to do what they want with it. And how do you think I'm going to feel when I come back and boy's over here balling out with all this money he has now, but I can't bless him because all of a sudden I find David half starved to death, almost dead on the ground because he wasn't taken care of. And that hurts me because I love him. And how do you think God feels when we're like, yo, God, I know you've given me all of this. I know you gave me all this money. You've blessed me with all these things. You've blessed me, blessed me, blessed me. But I can't even give you the minimum requirement. How do you think God feels coming into that and seeing that we're being so selfish and we think we can do it on our own? He's like, all I asked was that you try and take care of our church, the community, one another, and give in that. That's all I ask. It's just obedience. And we all know from Saul, obedience is much better than sacrifice. But, you know, God doesn't need our money, but he wants our heart. We all know that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God knows that the only way to get access to you, to you really, is through your heart. And that really, at the bottom of it, for most of us, means our finances. Because how many of us worry about our finances? How many of us go day to day thinking, okay, I've got this set aside, so I shouldn't go in the negative this month. I have this set aside for my bills. I have this set aside for what I'm going to do. And we have everything planned out. And then something happens and we're like, oh, you know, like maybe, maybe it'll go in the negative. God, I can't do that for you because I'm too worried about my bank account. I'm too worried about this. But our finances at the end of the day is what has our heart. That's why you see on YouTube all these commercials where you can be an entrepreneur today. All you have to do is this fast track because why? That's something that matters so much to us. And so many of us get wrapped up in that race for more money, more money, more money instead of realizing that where that money's coming from is actually God. So he wants us to pour our blessings on, he wants to pour blessings on us. And by giving in the tithe, it opens up the opportunity for God to step in and provide and to sustain us instead of us sustaining us ourselves and being our own provider. So follow me here. I give my 10% in the tithe. I come over here and think that was risky. I don't know if I can sustain that. God comes in and says, I got you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to bless you more than you gave. I'm going to bless you because I'm the one helping you. I'm the one sustaining you. And when we say, ooh, that's a little too much. I need to take that back because I know what's best for me. I know how I can provide for myself. God says, that's cute. We'll see how long that lasts. But he wants to come in and he wants to bless us. But oftentimes we think that we're better than that. And we think, okay, I got it. We cool from here. And if you imagine that in this life it's raining. And follow me here. My brain's all over the place, but just follow here. If it's raining and the rain all around us is sin. Now, in our world, it's always raining because we live in a fallen <coughs> world. And if we are to 
uh, sustained here in the rain, all we see here in the world is the practical. We see it's raining. Cool. All right, there's snow all around. It's raining. We see the rain all around us. And at the high level of our walk with God, God wants to show us something. He wants us, he wants to reveal to us his unseen protection. The reality is that the tithe is not about being blessed. At this point, the blessing, the blessing if you don't have anything, what is the blessing worth if you don't have anything to protect it? So if I'm out to be blessed, but all of a sudden I have no protection for it, boy, what would you do with your house that you built if it didn't have any doors or locks on it? And I know they went through the extra mile of putting a security system in there. But how many of us would actually take a Lamborghini that the locks don't work and the keys stuck in the ignition? ignition? How many of us would actually want that when it can just be like, Oh, here's a nice Lamborghini at Dollar General. I'm just going to hop in and take it. Like, no, none of us would want that. But what the tithe does, it is allowing God to step in and say, now I'm protecting you. Now what you didn't see before, I'm coming over you and I'm providing that protection. And at this level, God says to you, you will get my unseen protection over your life. And at the tithing level, you will step out and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my tithe. And I trust that you will keep me and sustain me. And in that moment, we don't see it, that God is stepping in and providing and protecting from all the rain around us. Some of you are wondering, where is my blessing? Where's your blessing in? And some of you are wondering, why is everything you're trying to start up, trying to do, trying to get going, but it's not working? Because when you start to do it his way and honor him, no matter what you're doing through it, he will provide that protection. But when you're trying to do it through yourself, that protection is not there. And at that baseline, that baseline of tithe is where he steps in to protect you from that. And here's what we do. We say, God, you stay right here, right there. I don't want to do it your way because I'm uncomfortable. And then when you're standing in the rain and you're mad at God and you're complaining, but God is standing there with the umbrella and wants to come over and give you that protection. Some of you have been asking for peace at work and you wonder when your coworkers come to you and say something and take all of your peace away. It's because you think his peace is linked to something else, but it's linked to your heart. And you aren't willing to give over that treasure. Because you think, we all think we can do it better. The beautiful thing is, though, when you give your treasure and surrender your heart, your testimony doesn't become, oh yeah, I hustled harder. I took on a side gig. I stayed up late. No, the testimony becomes, God did it. And his unseen protection was over me and around me. And he's the only one that brought me through this. And let me encourage you, those who do have kids, this doesn't just go for you. This goes for the protection over your children. This unseen protection, your faithfulness, when they see you day in and day out trusting and relying on God, 
then that builds in their lives. Those are the non-negotiables. Those are the cornerstones. They don't come and see mom and dad saying, well, man, we may have to take a side hustle to get this going. They don't see mom and dad over here saying, I don't know where, how we're going to get these finances to work. They don't see mom and dad saying, well, you know, like, we'll just work harder and we'll get through it. No, what they will see is, well, God is good and he'll provide. I thank the Lord for his goodness. I thank the Lord that my kids can see me day in, day out, being faithful and honoring God and being consistent because that in their lives will build that and then they will see it's important to be consistent. It's important to tithe. It's important to be in church. It's important to love God. And I mean, even if you look at the life of David, generations down the line, God says, you know what? I'm not going to destroy you even though you're out here worshiping all these other gods because of David. Yeah. That's the reason why the kingdom of Jerusalem was so divided and you have Judah and the rest of Israel is because of David's faithfulness. And he said, you know, what? I'm going to take away all these other tribes, but you can have Judah because of David's faithfulness. And how many of us are so wishy-washy in our faith and we're just like, oh, you know, God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. But I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. How many of us are like, oh, yeah, God is good. But, you know, your baseball game is more important than being in church every day. Hallelujah, God is good, but you know what? We don't really have to go to all this outreach and stuff like that. That's just for the extra, extra, the people that have time. You know, God is good, but, but it's too much work. It's too much stress. It's too much time. It's too much out of the way. I'm so tired. I'm so this, that, and the other. And we make excuses. And when we make excuses, that is what the next generation sees and their children and their children's children and their children's children until eventually down the line they're just like what's the point but in that faith in that consistency they see this is what is important and that will carry on so take heart but we've talked a lot about the tithe and we've talked about how that is our baseline so let's move on to level two so now we've mastered tithing, we tithe all the time, but what's the next level? And this is something that I've been thinking about, and it's crazy because God keeps breathing up and up and up. And it's that very time when I'm like, God, are you trying to give me a word about this? And he's like, yep, sure am. And then Rex comes to me, he's like, you got a word? And I'm like, oh, I do actually. Because God starts planting all these seeds, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But this next level is what's really been speaking to me. It's the offering. Because how many of us are like, okay, cool, we got ties, we do that, like it's automated every single week, every single month, whatever the situation is, but how many of us forget the offering? And you're like, okay, well, the offering is for like when we have something special going on, like we need a playground, maybe I'll give like to that offering. But the tithe is what's giving back what isn't yours. Many of us have been so in the routine of tithing that when God says, okay, it's time to grow up, you think, but I'm already generous, and I give to you every week. But in actuality, you're giving and just returning to God what is His. The tithe is actually the minimum. It's the starting point. And how many of us have to think we are growing up just because we tithe? We think, okay, that's cool. That's good. 
And we've been in the ministry for so many years, and we think, well, I read my Bible every day, I pray, I do the tithe thing, but God is telling us that we need to grow up. So let's look at Luke 9, 10 through 16. And it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And he took them in, and they withdrew by themselves into a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them in and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were needing and needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages, countrysides, and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, You give them something to eat. Okay. They're probably sitting there thinking, like, yeah, Jesus, we thought about that, and we would, but we have nothing to give them. But he goes on, they answer, we only have five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. It was about 5,000 men, almost like 40,000-something people altogether. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke it, and then he gave that to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. First thing I want to know, want you to notice out of the scripture is that God asks us to give out of a deserted place. Sometimes God asks us to give where we don't think we have anything. They didn't think they had enough bread or fish or food, but God said, no, I got this. We have enough. And how many times are we sitting there and we tell ourselves, when, when I get it, then I will get it. When I get that thousand, then I'll get that thousand. When I get that million, then I'll start giving a million. But the thing is, God is asking us to start giving what we have now. All they had at that point was five loaves and two fish. And how crazy is that? Because God could have just said, all right, cool, go look around that tree. I have a whole feast prepared for them. But he didn't. He said, come here and I will give them to eat from this five loaves and two fish. And the thing is that if you look at any bodybuilders out there, they're lifting like the strongman competitions. They're lifting so many thousand pounds. I have no idea. But they didn't just start picking up thousands of pounds. That started when they were younger and they started lifting 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 30 pounds. You cannot go to giving and flexing a muscle that you don't have. If God asks you to give that $5 that you have, Giving that five dollars will lead to God blessing you, and you say, "Okay, well, I've been faithful in my little. I've been faithful in this. Okay, so now I know how to give when I have it." Uh, talking about Jesus tells them to give the fish and the five loaves and the two the two fish, and it's so funny to me because when you think about it, like the disciples, they weren't like in their forties. Because when Jesus took them to the temple and there's that temple tax and he says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, like the minimum age for that was like 21 and only one of them gave. So like all of these kids, they're like 
17, 18, 19. Like, how crazy is that? Like, you don't hear 40 year old men out there saying, yo, I think actually I'm the best. Like, psychological, like, yo. Because how many times, like, at college, college, do you hear guys fighting over, like, yo, I think I do this better. I think I can squat more. I think I can do this better. I think X, Y, and Z. So often. But the reality is, like, there are young guys out here, and God is trying to teach them and to pour into them and to grow them so that when they do get to that age, they understand how, how to be able to pour into other people. But... He came here and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he broke them and gave them to the disciples to give to the people. But they had to bring initially what they did not have to Jesus first. What they brought to Jesus wasn't enough for the circumstance because what they brought was out of nothing. They didn't have enough bread. They didn't have enough fish to feed. We all know that. But they brought it to Jesus. And Jesus took it, and once they brought it to Jesus, he blessed it, he broke it. And have you ever felt like you've brought your little that you have, that little bit of hope, that little bit of love, that little bit of something to Jesus, and all of a sudden you leave Jesus, and then you leave in the presence of God, and you feel like, God, I still have nothing left, though. Now I brought what I did have to you, but now I'm leaving and I feel broken and I feel run down and I don't know what to do because now I'm broken. And now you're looking at what wasn't enough and now it's broken. This is what happens in the state of offering. You are in a deserted place and you bring what wasn't enough to God and he takes it and breaks it. And the lie that the enemy tries to tell us is just because you brought it to God and now it's broken doesn't mean it's blessed. But Jesus, but just because it's broken doesn't mean it's not blessed. And all you see is that now what you have is broken, but what God knows in his sovereignty is that what you have has to be broken in order for you to give it away. I have to be broken. I have to break in other in order to give to other people. They were going around and they didn't just say, here's a loaf. They said, breaking, here you go. Breaking, here you go. And watch God over and over and over again as they broke the bread, they broke the fish, and continue to give out of the broken. Because God knows that we can't do it in and of ourselves because then again, We are relying on us and we're not relying on God. But what he wants us to understand, we have to be broken in order to have something to give. Because then it's God. And when God takes the bread and the fish from the disciples, he breaks it and gives it to them and tells them, okay, now go around and give it to the people. And in faith, the disciples had to go around and continue to break and to give and to give and to give and to give. The only way that that bread and fish were going to continue to multiply was by being broken. Right now, God is asking someone to give him the broken pieces. But it's hard and it hurts. And he may be asking you to step out and to help somebody else out and you're thinking, but God, I myself that I'm struggling. I am so broken. How can I give from that? But the beautiful part is watching as we continue to give these broken pieces and watch as God multiplies. He could have just created a whole feast, but no, he decides to break. And how many times do we find it on ourselves? Somebody is saying, coming to us, 
husband, hey, I need you to pray for me. Hey, I need help in this situation. And you're sitting here thinking, fail saying, I'm broken. I have no idea what's going on. I have nothing left to give. But when you give that little piece, all of a sudden you feel yourself being able to give and to give and to continue. And the thing that we are trusting and the thing that we have to realize is that we cannot trust the provisions. We have to trust the provider. Because if we're just trusting the bread, if we're trusting our money, if we're trusting ourselves and the provisions, then the provider's going to say, okay, but look at me. I'm the one that's providing. I'm the one that's giving. I'm the one that's working through all this. And at this level, he's just simply asking you to trust. And there will be real emotions. And it hurts. And you are broken. And God knows that. And God knows that it's not easy. But God, what God wants is just for you to keep on giving that little bit that you have so that he can be your provider, so he can sustain you, and so that he can be your fulfillment. And if we want, and as we continue and we look, okay, so now we're starting to give out of the place where we feel like we can give. We're giving out of a deserted place. But the fun thing, I say fun thing, the fun thing is, is that the offering portion and this next portion can be swapped for different points in your life. And the third level and the final level is the sacrificial given. And the thing about the sacrificial giving is going to be something very specific. It's not like, oh, well, I'll just give more money. I'll just throw more money at it. No, the sacrificial giving part is the point where God says, I need you to give so-and-so this thing. I need you to give them your car. And you're like, but God, I only have one car. And he's like, right, is that sacrifice? And let's look at this one portion of scripture. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to touch on it. Luke 7, 36 through 50. And this story is about Mary Magdalene coming to Jesus' feet and washing his feet. We were talking about this the other night in the youth. And it just so spoke to me because she's coming to his feet. And people are saying, you know, oh, we'll just chase her out. This could have been better used for this. That, that perfume that she poured on your feet could have been that money. It could have been sold to feed the poor, to feed the hungry. But the thing is, and this is what baffles me, that perfume, it says it was like a year's wages. Okay, cool. You know, so that was how many shekels or whatever. No, if we think about it, what is like the average medium wage here in Alabama? Okay, so let's say 40,000 a year, maybe we'll just go with that. This box of perfume would have been $40,000. How many of us are willing to say, I'm going to go out of my way and sacrifice my whole year's earning to bless the Son of God and to humble myself and wash his feet? And that was for her, the sacrificial part. And you have to understand it's not easy and it's going to hurt this is giving the chances that what we, and what we once sacrificed, what we once thought was crazy, 
Now God is asking, okay, but now I just need that as an offering. <clears throat> okay, so you've given one car to somebody. That was a sacrifice in one season. And you continue to do that. And I see how when somebody else comes and needs one that you're providing, maybe it's shoes. Maybe you see somebody that doesn't have great shoes and you're saying, here's mine. And that was a sacrifice in one season. But now when God keeps asking, you're like, well, God did it before. Here's my shoes again. Here's my shoes again. And God's saying, okay, but now you're comfortable with that. And that is no longer a sacrifice. That is an offering. And then God's going to take you to the next level and say, maybe the sacrifice is going out of your way to pray with somebody. And you're like, but God, I hate They are the worst thing on this planet. I don't understand why you want me to go and pray with that one coworker that makes fun of me all the time. Why do you want me to go pray with them? And that is the sacrifice. God, you want me to go to outreach ministry? That is the sacrifice. You want me to go to boys' rendezvous, but I hate kids? That is the sacrifice. And then once you've done that, and you're like, okay, God, well, maybe I can't help out with boys and girls club. Now it's the place of the offering. And God wants to bless us over and over again. But when we look at sacrifices through the Bible, God blessed Abraham with a son. His blessing. His child. They were barren for so many years. And then God blesses him with a son. And then says, okay, cool, now I need him as a sacrifice. How many of you would be willing to just take your child and say, Alrighty, here we go. Like, let's just put him up on the spit and like let's sacrifice him. No, that like goes against all parenting instincts. But it was at that very second that Abraham took Isaac up to the altar and drew back his knife. It was in that moment that God said, Okay, I know you're gonna serve me. I know you're gonna be faithful. I know that I could trust you with your blessing. And in that, he provides a ram as an additional blessing. And how many of us are too scared? We're like, no, God, but like, this is my savings for our house. No, God, this is the one thing that you blessed me with, and I'm holding on to it so tightly because I'm so scared of letting go. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a relationship you've been with, and you're holding on to it because you're like, God, this relationship provides me security. This relationship provides me with emotional support I need. But God is saying, you know what, you need to sacrifice that one relationship because I have an even better one over here for you. And I want to bless you with that. And I want to bless you the way you deserve to be blessed. And how many of us right now are holding on to things that need to be sacrificed? How many of us are holding on to broken pieces and we feel like that we can't keep on giving? But all God asks us to do at the end of it, no matter what level you are at, all he's saying is trust me with the little. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And when we start stepping into that and trusting, and then when we keep on doing that, we're going to look back 20 years and we're like, wow, I cannot believe I was in 
the depths, the despair, the desert, the deserted place. And now I'm in a land flowing with milk and honey because I trusted him with the very little things. Is God asking you to step out and go talk to somebody? Or is God asking you just to simply tithe? Is he asking you to give sacrificially where you feel like every fiber inside of you is saying, God, I don't know if I can, but he's saying, but I can. And it doesn't matter what level you are, God loves you and he wants to take you there. But what is holding you back? What are you scared of? What is keeping you from stepping out? What is keeping you from just simply saying, okay, God, I understand and I want this relationship. Maybe you think you're too young. Maybe you think, okay, that's good for like the adults in another season. Maybe that's like where I am in my 40s. But the reality is if you don't start now, then when you're in your 40s, you're going to have 20 years to make up. But if you start now, little by little, Stepping into that, saying, God, okay, I hear you, I trust you, I'm broken, but here I am. And I just feel so strongly that somebody in here is broken. It just needs to give God those little pieces. Because you've been faithful in the minimum. You've been faithful here. But what is it going to take you? You want to get to that next level. You want to be grown in the faith. And God wants that so bad for you. But what is that going to take? And it's not scary once you get there. It's not. God wants to take and bless you so much. And my challenge for you is, if you feel drawn, then just go. Don't be scared because it's not scary. Because God wants you and he wants to bless you and take you to where he can bless your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And that is what God wants for you in your life. And I just feel so strongly that somebody is on that cusp and they are so scared to just take that leap of faith. But let me assure you, when you do, it's beautiful to be in the arms of God as he catches you and takes you further. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this crowd of people today. I thank you that you've brought them all to this place for a very reason. God, I feel that you have somebody that just wants to take that step. God, reach them. Help them to understand that you're there for them, that you love them, you want to support them and guide them, and no matter where they are in their walk, you will always be there to help them. You will always be there to pick them up. And it's just that initial step. That being consistent, that coming to church, that giving in the tithe, that preaching and living what is being preached, God, so strongly, I just want you to bless them and to open their eyes, to see that unseen protection, to step into that and rely on you. Because it's only through you that we can grow and mature and step into the place that you have for us. Because you are our great provider and you have such a big purpose for each person in this room and you have such a big plan and I pray that they will their eyes will be open to see that they are important they are valuable they are contributing to your kingdom
know, and you want to take them so far, but they can't do it on their own. Bless each and every one of them today. Bring them up. Help them to see that they are kings and queens in your kingdom, God, and that you just love them so much. Bless them as they go out these doors, God, in your heavenly name. Amen.